turn my microphone on here. It's been great to worship God together. Amen. How's everybody doing? Okay, good. Uh, have you ever uh, thrown a party, like a big, big gathering, big party, and uh, nobody showed up? Or at least you were worried no one would show up? You know that feeling? Is anybody going to even come? Uh, I remember when I uh, graduated, I graduated from high school many years ago, class of 89. Our theme was, uh, you know how you have the song theme? Our theme was, don't you forget about me. Remember that song? Don't, 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 don't. Okay, Steve's got it. We the only ones? Come on. Um, so uh, anyway, uh, for my graduation, I had this party, you know, graduation party. And I invited the teen ministry. The teen ministry was kind of just growing at the time in the church. I was a new Christian. I had kind of, um, a lot of my relationships with my friends in the world had sort of faded that year because I, I became a Christian right before my senior year. And my friends from school started to do other stuff, you know, get more into partying, get more into other stuff. So I couldn't hang out with them anymore. And then the church, the, the teen ministry was kind of young, younger than me, you know, younger students than me, but kind of coming up, sort of being built up. You know, teen ministries. It's transient, right? Because you've got four years and then you're, you're on to somewhere else. So teen ministries can sometimes get bigger and smaller and, you know, they kind of ebb and flow a little bit. And we have a great teen ministry in our church. I'm really grateful for our teens. They are at teen I'm pointing over here. They're not even here today. They're at teen camp. That's where they normally are. Uh, but um, anyway, so our teen ministry wasn't that strong, kind of growing. But anyway, I invited our whole teen ministry to our graduation party uh, and no one came. So the only people that came to my graduation party, it was me and my parents and uh, the, these uh, two friends that I were in college that came you know, all the way down from Boulder for my graduation party. So that was encouraging. But I just still remember, I have this vision in my mind because my mom had made all these sandwiches. And my mom's kind of a perfectionist, so it takes her a really long time to do anything. Uh, I know those of you who know me well know that that's not like me at all. But uh, I remember she even like cut the crusts off these these uh, sandwiches and made, you know, perfect triangles. And so I just remember this table of this pyramid of sandwiches and, and no one there, <laughs> you know, just looking at the sandwiches. I felt so sad. I went down in my room because I wanted to be alone. and I was so upset. And, and uh, my dad must have talked to somebody later because the teen ministry threw a surprise graduation party for me a few weeks later. But I remember that feeling of, oh, man, nobody showed up. And, uh, you know, I wasn't even thinking about, I didn't even think about this this till uh, I was thinking about that story because it's been a long time. Uh, but, you know, because that happened and, and kind of the state of the teen ministry, I ended up going early to the campus ministry. I went into the campus that June. And I met, that's where I met Dessa that summer. And our very first conversation was on the 4th of July under the, you know, the, there was a, we went to a, a fireworks thing and we were talking to each other, the whole fireworks thing. That was our first conversation. We kind of fell in love that summer. So I was thinking, you know what? If it hadn't been for that graduation party, I might have stayed in the teens all summer, and then somebody else might have snagged Dessa, and then I might not be where I am today. So, amen! So that's kind of a side issue. All things work for the good, right? But, you know, uh, it's a vulnerable position to invite, right? Inviting people puts you in a vulnerable position because you're really putting the onus on them whether they want to come or not. Uh, you, you're, you're, you're giving power to them. You don't force people to come to your party. You invite them, and then you, you, it's kind of vulnerable, right? And, and the thing we're going to talk about today is that God has put himself in that position. God has made himself vulnerable. 
And He has an invitation for each and every one of us today. And so we're going to learn more about what is that invitation and what does it mean to respond to that invitation. Uh, He's given us free will, and so we have the option of rejecting Him. But the goal today is that you would feel motivated to accept His invitation and want to, want to follow what, what He has in store for you. We're starting a, a new worship series today called What's It Like? What's It Like? And these are analogies of the kingdom of God that are in the book of Matthew. Matthew is one of the four Gospels. It was written primarily to a Jewish audience. And the kingdom of God was a very important concept to the Jews because if you read the Old Testament and kind of the story of God's people, they were this awesome kingdom. You know, we've all heard of David. We've all probably heard of Solomon. And that was the height of the kingdom of Israel. But then, because they were following idols and because they kept uh, imitating the, 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 the world around them, the, the practices of the evil nations around them, they kept uh, going against God, and so then God didn't bless them. And so eventually they were conquered by one person after another person after another person, another, other kingdom, another kingdom, another kingdom conquered them. And, but God had always a message of hope, and that was that there would be an eternal kingdom that would come. And so by the time Jesus came on the scenes, the expectations were high for the kingdom of God to come and for the Messiah or, or the Savior or the King, the, the, the person who would bring in this kingdom. And so Jesus talked about the kingdom of God more than anything else. And uh, he uses all these examples of what the kingdom of God is like. And, and it's, it's kind of a, what he said uh, in Luke 17 helps me to kind of process what is the kingdom. He said the kingdom of God, because somebody says, when is the kingdom coming? They asked him in Luke 17. And, and Jesus' answer, he says, the kingdom of God doesn't come with your careful observation. And it's not something where you say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Uh, so the kingdom of God is, is something that is within us, within this group. It's, 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 God's, uh, it's God's rule, God's reign on earth, with the, which is the church, and in our hearts, like, like we just sang about uh, you know the, the, that song we sang, "Great Among the Nations," talks about all these prophecies and how it all came through, but but people didn't get it. And so the kingdom of God is like an alternate reality that you you kind of got to have your mind open to grasp, kind of like the Matrix. I always use that example. I know you guys are tired of it, but you know the red pill or the blue pill. You know you got to have your mind open to the realities of the kingdom. So Jesus says things that are kind of odd, like "He who has ears, let him hear." You know he says that a lot. What does that mean? It means these messages of the kingdom, you've got to really listen to get it. If you're just kind of listening, you're not going to get it. And he says there's some people that are, they, they have eyes that can see, but they're blind. Why? Because they don't grasp the kingdom of God. And so, uh, you know, he uses these parables and the analogies to try to get us to get the kingdom. And ultimately he says, you've got to become like a little child in order to enter the kingdom. And no one who won't become like a little child will be able to enter the kingdom. So that, that's challenging for you and me because we want to figure everything out. We want to know everything. He says, you know, there's a part of you that you've got to humble yourself. You've got to be inquisitive and just be like a little kid again in order to really grasp the kingdom. Today's lesson is called a wedding banquet. And that's one of the analogies Jesus uses, use, Jesus uses for uh, the, the, uh, the kingdom of God. So we're going to be looking at Matthew 22. If you all go, go ahead and be turning there. I'm going to say a word of prayer and then uh, we'll get into Matthew 22. God, thank you to be together today. Uh, thank you just to worship you, God. You are so worthy of our praise. And uh, Father, help us to listen to Jesus' words right now. I pray that your Holy Spirit would be at work. I pray that you'd speak through me, God, that I would uh, 
be a vessel, uh, be a tool for you to, to be able to, to, to speak your words boldly. Uh, God, help me not to hold back in any way what, what your Spirit wants to say. and Help all of us to have open hearts to Jesus' message about the Kingdom of God today. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you for uh, being able to belong to you and the amazing thing it is to be your child. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, Matthew chapter 22. The context of Matthew 22 is uh, right before this, Jesus enters the city of Jerusalem. It's towards the end of his ministry. And he enters as a king. He's, he's, he's welcomed with songs and praises. Uh, they, they throw their coats down. They throw on the, on the ground. They throw palm branches on the ground, which, is, which was a custom for a, a conquering king as he returned from battle. So as Jesus is coming in, uh, he's, he's this conquering king. But it's kind of interesting because he's this poor carpenter and he's not riding on a stallion, you know, with a, with a war. He's riding on a little donkey. You know, so it's kind of this alternate king. But all the people are praising him and, and it really, the whole thing really irritates the religious leaders because they're like, this is not what the Messiah is supposed to be like and this is, who is this guy? Why is he claiming all this stuff? They're like, tell your, tell your people to stop praising you. This is, this is not right. They're praising you as the Messiah. They're, they're praising you as king. Tell them to shut up. Jesus says, even if I told them to shut up, the stones themselves would cry out. Because there's something big going on. And so he goes in and he, and he goes to the, the Jewish uh, temple, which was the, the seat of the religion. And uh, there was a huge industry that had grown up around uh, the Jewish faith. And that was the selling of, of sacrifices. Because rather than bring your own uh, lamb or your own bull or your own dove or whatever to sacrifice, you would just come to Jerusalem and then buy something to sacrifice. It was kind of more convenient. But, but, but it had become this whole industry and they were, they were making huge profits and so the whole religion became about making profits off of the sacrifices and this whole thing irritated Jesus so he goes in there and he turns over the tables of the money changers. You know, you picture all these tables where they're, they would, they would, with money and just turning them over and there's coins going everywhere and all the animals that were there, he drives them out with a whip. I mean, what an intense scene, right? So it gets the religious leaders all riled up, and they're, they're angry, and what are you doing? And what authority do you have to be doing this? And so Jesus gives several analogies and several stories in response to that, and this is one of those stories, uh, in response to the Jewish leaders about what authority he has. And he tells them, you know what's happening here, you religious leaders? The prostitutes and the tax collectors are entering the kingdom before you. The tax collectors and prostitutes. So it would be kind of like today saying, you know, the, the drug dealers, the, the porn industry folks, these guys are entering the kingdom before you. It's a challenging statement. It, it, it took them aback. Well, we're the religious people. What? But why, why did he say that? And so we're going to see that in this, in this story. Matthew 22, let's begin reading in verse 1. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited, I've prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened calf have been butchered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet but they paid no attention and went off. One to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. 
Then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you can find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, How did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, Tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. You know, Jesus uses a wedding banquet to uh, try to help us understand the kingdom better. And this is an analogy he uses in, in other ways in many other places in the Bible where this the, the, the imagery of, of a wedding or an engagement is, is, is part of the way that the kingdom is described and our relationship with God is described in these terms. And uh, those of you, raise your hand if you're married. Okay, don't you remember that period, your engagement period, and the anticipation leading up to your wedding? Uh, it was such a, a special time and there's so much emotion that goes into that period. And that's, that's the period Jesus is talking about here um, for a... For, uh, my first point here is, can you believe we get to go? Can you believe we get to go? You know, when I got engaged, uh, this is a picture of us the night we got engaged. We were, uh, we were 14 and 15. No, actually we were uh, 21 and 22. Um, but uh, I sang her a song that I wrote her, and I, she came over to somebody. She thought she was meeting someone else, and then I was there at the house, and I had a meal prepared, and I sang her a song and, and gave her a ring. This is her looking at the ring. <laughs> but, uh, but I remember shortly after uh, you know, put, putting the, the wedding plans together and putting the invitation together, and uh, we invited a lot of people. We actually had 500 people show up at our wedding. Because um, we, there was two big campus ministries in the Denver church where both of us were. One at, at, at CU, where I had been for a while, and then one at Metro, where uh, I had moved to and then she had moved to. So there was all these campus students that came. I mean, there was probably 200 college students there. And then my parents were on staff in the Denver church for a long time, so they knew all kinds of people. So it was a packed event. But we put the wedding invitation together. Uh, this is a drawing I made of us. And... Uh, it says, I need you like one needs one to be two. That's a line from a song I had written from her. Uh, but that was the way, you know, at the time, we scraped together all we could, you know, to make this, this is real fancy invitation. You know, you pick out the, the, the real expensive paper with a little rough edge. I don't know why the fact that it's torn makes it more expensive. But, uh, uh, but you know, imagine getting an invitation from a king. You know, and this is, this is back at the time where, I mean, kings had a lot of gold and a lot of silver and a lot of uh, ornate stuff. And I mean, the, 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 the invitation you got probably was, uh, you know, ornate, made of this ornate paper, maybe gold foil on it. Imagine what an honor it would be to be invited to the king's son's wedding banquet. I mean, what an amazing thing that would be to be chosen. Uh, and, and so th- this analogy is something that, should be the way we view the kingdom. Like, I can't believe we get to do this. I can't believe God loves me. I can't believe I've been invited. I can't believe I get to go. Th- this idea of a, of, a, of a joyful occasion, it's a celebration. It's, you know, imagine a king and his son is getting married. He's going to spare no expense. 
And it's a celebration where everyone that you're closest to is there. All your closest friends. You cherish every moment. It's a once-in-a-lifetime occurrence. And that's what Jesus boils the message of Christianity down to. Come to this awesome party. Come party with the King. That's the Christian message. And that gets lost so often. We don't think about it in that way. And their response to the, the invitation is so illogical. Right? They make excuses. Oh, I don't think I can go. You know, can you imagine, you know, you're invited to meet with the president and then, oh, you know, I've got some things to do. I gotta I gotta refile my, my, my expenses or you know, I gotta clean the bathroom. I I can't make it to the White House. You know, it, it doesn't make any sense. Their response doesn't make any sense. And it's so illogical that even some of them, the servants are here, come to the banquet, the, the king is prepared, and they've got the trumpets and blah blah blah. It says they mistreated the servants and killed them. I mean, Jesus was trying to get a reaction. Because it's this totally illogical response, right? It doesn't make any sense. And yet, the immediate meaning meaning of the story is that is, in fact, what happened, isn't it? I mean, God comes to earth, the creator of all things enters creation as a man, and he's totally rejected. He's killed. I mean, he comes to the Jews. He's the fulfillment of all these prophecies about him in the Old Testament. They're all fulfilled, and yet they don't recognize who he is, and in fact, they even kill him. And they think by killing him, they're serving God. Because one of the prophets uh, says he has a prophecy from God that that Jesus was going to die for the Jewish nation. And so he says, yeah, let's do it. Let's kill him. Because he's going to die for the Jewish nation. Because otherwise, he's he's stirring up all the people and the Romans are going to come and they're going to mess up our whole situation here. So we need to kill him. Isn't that amazing? The response to Jesus and his followers from the religious people, the very people that should have followed him. But you know what? The the broader meaning is, it's not just the Jews and their response to him in the first century. It's people's response today, isn't it? It's not logical that people would not respond to God. It doesn't really make any sense if you think about the big picture. God wants you to be in heaven with him forever. The creator of the universe is inviting you to an eternal party. Oh no, I I don't want to go. I'd rather focus on this relationship. I... I don't want to go. I, you know, I've got a lot of things to do at work. I don't want to go. I, I've got this. I've got that. You know, I think this is huge for America and and where we live. You know, I don't. I, people don't get killed that much in this country for. You know, probably nobody's. Gonna, as you share your faith with them, probably nobody's going to kill you. It's a different thing in the Middle East for our brothers and sisters over there. But you know, I think the biggest barrier to people responding to God's invitation is just life. It's just the busyness of life. Not the business, but the busyness. You know, work, play, just being busy. That's the world we live in. I think about my neighbors who I've invited to church or who I've tried to share my faith with. They're just busy. They're just, I've got this going this weekend, this going another weekend. Uh, you know, for the singles, you think about the, the people in your world, you know, that are around you. I mean, isn't this the truth? They're, they're trying to find Mr. Right. They're trying to find Mrs. Right. They're working out. They're... Trying to, they're into all these different things. They're working. They're making money. They're busy, busy, busy. But you try to talk about God, and suddenly, oh, I'm busy. I got a lot going on. I don't know if I can commit. Isn't that the truth, singles? Uh, for the family ministry, you know, I think people, their their kids are in four sports and and, and taking lessons, and, and they're running them all around, all over the place. And uh, you know, you see parents at schools. You know, you talk to parents. They're ragged. You know, just trying to make money, trying to do all this stuff for their kids, trying to, and they're just busy. They're busy, 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 busy. And yet I think 
Jesus is trying to say, this is a royal invitation. Pay attention to this. This is something eternal. What in your life is more important than this? Can you believe we get to go? Can you even believe we get to go be with God forever? In verse 10 it says, the servants gathered all the people they could find. The religious people, the, the, first, the first target for the invitation, they, they rejected him. So, so the king says to the servants, just get everybody. Just invite everybody you can possibly find. What does that mean for us here in South Bay? Who do you overlook? You know, who do you think, oh, that person probably wouldn't want the invitation. That person probably is not open. They smoke or, oh, I've seen the way they talk or... You know, but you think about yourself. I mean, none of us, or very few of us, were like these religious, super perfect people that just kind of then melded into being Christians. I mean, all of I mean, think of who you were before you were a Christian. I mean, you would have ruled yourself out probably, right? Who will you bring along to party with the king? Who will you bring to party with the king? Everyone's invited, no matter your background. No matter your ethnicity, no matter your socioeconomic level, no matter what sin is building your life right now, you are invited. Your brother, your sister, your mom, your dad, your neighbor, your coworker, your friend, the popular girl in school, you know, every single person, they're all invited. I got a call this week, uh, I got two phone calls in the same week from two guys that I had baptized many years ago. One, uh, is uh, Norbert Luke Perez. He goes by Luke now, but I always call him Norbert because that's who he was when I baptized him. But this week is his uh, 20th spiritual birthday. And, uh, you know, he called me. It was cool because I put him on speakerphone and my son Marshall is driving around with me and he's just going on and on and on about how grateful he was for me studying the Bible with him. And I know I was tough. I know I, you know... know, If you know Norbert, he's a talker, right? he, uh, he talks and, and talks and, you know, when we first got together to study, I couldn't even get a word in edgewise. You know, he's trying to tell me how spiritual he is. And, and I remember, you know, even when we had him over the first time uh, for dinner, he and Joanne were like, okay, before we have dinner, we just want to make sure you know, nothing could ever make us not be Catholic. Because they knew we were Christians, we were reaching out to them. Nothing could ever make us not be Catholic. So as long as we got that, we're like, okay, it's fine. You know, whatever, let's have dinner, you know. Because he was Knights of Columbus and he's showing me all his, his plaques and stuff and all this stuff. But you know what? And, and so I remember feeling like, well, I don't know. But you never know. The Holy Spirit, you never know what the, what the Word could do. And, and they got baptized 20 years ago. And, and Norbert and Joanna, if you know them, they, you know, they, their, their life's always drama and crazy. But they're always baptizing all kinds of people. He told me, yeah, I'm studying with two guys right now. One guy's going to get baptized this next week. And even Joe here is, is fruit from Norbert, if you didn't know. Because Joe is Norbert's uh, nephew. So Joe is here as our worship leader because Norbert became a Christian 20 years ago. So it just, and then the other guy that called me was uh, this guy James, and uh, I was an intern for the summer, and this was a couple years earlier. So this is his, it's his 22nd uh, wedding, his 22nd wedding anniversary, his 22nd baptism anniversary uh, last week. And so he called me this week, and he, uh, you know, but I remember him. I was I was an intern for the summer, and I was supposed to start a campus ministry on this community college. It was just me. So I'm going around on campus. It's so intimidating. You know, it's, it's, it's me. And I remember he was sitting at this desk, and, and I didn't want to talk to him, you know, but, okay, you know, the Spirit kind of nudges you. You should talk to that guy. Okay, I'll talk to him. And so it's one of those things where, hey, just wanted to see if you might be interested in, in the Bible, uh, trying to get a, a Bible study going here on campus. Uh, so far, it's just me and you, <laughs> you know. 
but would you be interested? And, you know, he was interested, and he became a Christian, and here he is faithful 22 years later. Oh, I'm so thankful you stopped me that. I'm so thankful you reached out to me. And the whole thing just convicted me that how many people do I pass by in a day? And I feel like this summer I have not been just opening my mouth enough. I mean, you know, you just kind of get out of practice. Uh, we've been meeting in a different location here at Lawndale. I don't have any invitations that have this location on it. You know, I mean, maybe that's just me. Maybe you guys have been sharing your faith a lot. But, you know, I just feel out of practice. And, and so I was convicted by those phone calls. And then I'm studying the scripture and get everybody to come. Get everybody to come. Oh! And I'm like, oh, God, you're convicting me. I got to everywhere I go have the spirit of inviting people. And, uh, you know, because these people, they, they've already been invited, right? That's what the Scripture teaches. They've already been invited. I'm not even really inviting them. I'm just following up. Because God's already invited them. God's already working in their life. God already knows their name. He knows their whole personal history. He's been working in their life all along. The Bible says He knows the number of hairs on their head. So I'm just interacting with someone who's already been invited by the King. So maybe they don't know it, but it's just a matter of me being that servant who's being a, 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 a vessel for, for God to use. I don't think we, we share our faith with that kind of confidence. That, that Can you believe we get to go? Can you believe God wants you and God wants me? Can you believe this is so awesome? I think more it's like, hey, you wouldn't want to add another thing to your schedule and come to church with me, would you? you know, sometimes we're a little tense. And you know, even God will use that if we just open our mouth. But, but I think it helps if we just get some confidence of who we are and what we're doing. Can you believe we get to go? I started thinking about just South Bay, just our community, and looking up some numbers. Did you know that Lomita has 20,402 people living in it, in Lomita? Did you know that Manhattan Beach has 35,391 souls? All of them are invited. It's where we normally meet for church on Sunday. Did you know Harbor City has 36,000 people? Did you know that Rancho Palos Verdes has 41,946 souls all invited? Redondo Beach, 67,233 souls. All They've all been invited by God. Wilmington, this blew me away, 67,741 souls. I didn't know Wilmington had more people than Redondo. Boy, what a, what a community we could make an impact in. Especially partnering with MLA and, and the Spanish speakers. San Pedro has 86,000 people. 86,000 people live in San Pedro. I mean, boy, we, we need to have a whole complete church there someday. It's a lot of people. Torrance has 146,493 souls. All invited. All these people. Think God knows every heart. God hears every cry at night. God knows every lonely person. I've I got to believe of those thousands and thousands and thousands of people, there are so many people who are, are like the prostitutes and sinners in Jesus' time. Who? Why did He say they're entering the kingdom before you religious people? Because they knew their condition. They knew how lost they were. They knew what a mess their life was. They needed someone to come along and say, you know what, God loves you. God has a plan for you. God believes in you. And so we need to be a church that's looking for those people, looking for the people who don't know God at all or who are totally unchurched. Who, you know, they, they, they know that they need something. And I know they're out there if we just open our mouths and we just are used by God. Can you believe we get to go? For the parents here, I think this is important even with our kids. 
helping them have this view of the kingdom. Can you believe we get to be Christians? Can you believe we get to go to this church? Can you believe we get to know the Word? I mean, so many people in the world don't know what the Bible really teaches. Can you believe you get to be a part of a preteen group? Can you believe you get to go to a teen event? Can you believe how awesome it is that we have couples who will get with us and listen to our problems for free? Can you believe if I have an issue with my parenting, there's all these people who could talk to me and I could get advice from about parenting for absolutely free? Can you believe that? It's incredible. And yet, so often, what our kids hear from us is, oh, i got to go here, i got to go there, oh, so-and-so, this or so You know, the negative stuff. Don't you think that's going to affect your kids? We've got to change our own mindset. I can't believe we get to be invited. I can't believe we get to go. For the family ministry, we're even rearranging our groups a little bit so we can help each other with our kids. And the goal of this is so that... I, I talked to a couple of guys the other night. I was talking to Tom and Ben and Rick and saying, I want you to help my kids. And I want to help your kids. We want to help each other with our kids. Because it's going to take a village to help all our kids to, to become Christians. All right, next point. Let's look at uh, verse 11. Verse 11. It's kind of a second half of the parable that has sort of a different... There we go. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, How did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, Tie him hand and foot and throw him outside in the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. How would you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? My second point is, dude, put on your wedding clothes. It's kind of the modern, modern vernacular. Dude, put on your wedding clothes. What are you doing? Uh, you know, this is a familiar story to some of us. So we get, Oh yeah, I remember this part of the story. Think about it for a second. A king, a royal king in the, in the first century. Think of how, I mean, you, you've studied the Caesars, right? You've studied, you know how, how ornate all their stuff was, how wealthy they were, all the treasure and all the gold they amassed. And you're going to this event at his palace and you show up with, you know, saggy shorts, flip-flops and, you know, white, white beater tank top on, you know, like, dude, I'm here, man. What's up? Where's the, where's the grub? You know? You would never approach the king's palace that way. You would never do that. And yet, we approach God with that level of kind of ho-hum-ness sometimes. Eh, ho-hum, you know, whatever. I'm here. You know, it, it, it says something about the spirit that we should bring to worship. It says something about the way we should approach God. We should put our best into everything that we do. Amen? Uh, my friend Marshall Mead showed me this website uh, a year ago or something. It's called People of Walmart. <laughs> Peopleofwalmart.com. I, I, I was trying to find an image I could put on screen and I couldn't find a single one. <laughs> because it is unbelievable how people show up to Walmart. And so this whole website came up out of people taking w- pictures with their cell phones of other people at Walmart and the way they're dressed, and then adding hilarious little captions at the bottom. And, uh, you know, but, but it, it made me think about 
spiritually, I think sometimes we sort of show up to be with God like that or show up to your family group like that or show up to midweek like that or show up to church like that. Like, eh, whatever. You know, there, there's no forethought. It, it's, it, there's no planning. There's no preparation. It's just, eh. And you know what? I'm glad you're here, right? And, and I'm glad you came to midweek. And that, but, but I'm trying to take you a little deeper here going, dude, put on your wedding clothes. Put your best foot forward spiritually. Give, give God your best. Are you really walking the walk? Does the Word of God really shape your daily life? Or are you just kind of hanging on? You're just sort of showing up. Is it this who you are? It's, it's, it's your own convictions. It's your own belief in the Bible. It's, your, it's you doing what you know is right for you, not because somebody told you to. You know, It's, it's your own clothes that you're wearing. Being at church doesn't make you a disciple. Just showing up here doesn't make you a follower of Jesus. I'm again. I don't want you to. I don't want to come down and you make you feel like, oh wow, I got got my butt kicked at church today. You know, I'm glad you're here. I know you're here because you want to please God. But I, I'm, I want to challenge you a little bit. Just being here that that doesn't do it. It's kind of like just hanging out at Guitar Center doesn't make you a guitarist. And you see guys sometimes they just plug into the amp. The guitarists know what I'm talking about because you've been to Guitar Center. You know these guys plug into the amp. Turn the distortion all the way up so you can't, you know, so there's no definition. You just, just make noise. Uh, 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 you know, it doesn't make you a guitarist. So you got to put more into it. You got to put more into putting the clothes on. Uh, let's look at a couple scriptures here. Galatians 3 says, For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. We talked about this with the, the lesson on grace a few weeks ago. If you're visiting with us, uh, we're saved by God's grace. You don't earn your way into a relationship with God. There's nothing you could do to make God love you. He already loves you. He's already invited you. He's already chosen you. And when you respond, when you repent of your sins and you're baptized, your, your sins are all forgiven. Baptism is being buried in water and raised up again, just like Jesus was buried in the ground and rose up again. When we're buried into water and raised up again... All our sins are washed away. And, and here it says we're clothed with Christ. So that's the starting point is getting all your sins washed away. Now you're clothed with Christ. So if you don't know what that's about or if you'd like more information, ask the person that brought you or ask me or ask Marco or ask Steve or, or anybody here. Hey, can we, can we look at what the Bible teaches about baptism or about commitment or about this, this starting point? That's the starting point of being clothed with Christ. But that's not the only thing of just when you're baptized because Romans which teaches the same thing Romans 6 teaches that you're buried with him in baptism raised to a new life but Romans 13 14 look at this it says rather clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about and you do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature so it's not just the one time being clothed with Christ when you're baptized it's an ongoing thing uh, of on a daily basis okay I gotta clothe myself with Christ I've got to not think about how to gratify the, the sinful nature. I've got to clothe myself with Christ. Look at uh, Colossians 3. I'll put this on the screen, but if you have a Bible on your phone or if you, if you have a Bible you're turning to, go ahead and turn there because I really want to dig into this verse here for a minute. Colossians chapter 3. As you're turning there, I want to show you something. Uh, you know, I like to do some home improvement stuff. Well, I wouldn't say I like to do them. Some of it I like to do, but, I, you know, when you own a house, there's always something, right? So there's always paint 
to be done or fixing a sink or fixing this or fixing that. Or, so these are the clothes that I wear. Or some of the, I have a whole set of clothes when I'm doing housework. You know, here's my nice shirt. Pretty nice. Okay. And uh, here's, my, here's my home improvement pants. Now, I thought about coming out to preach like this, but then I thought, you know what? They won't listen to anything I have to say up until this point in the sermon because of how I'm dressed. And, uh, and the point is that, that clothes, that's the first thing you notice about someone. I know we don't want to. We don't want to judge people by how they're dressed or we want to be non-judgmental and all that. But the fact remains, you know, you just... The first thing you notice is how someone's dressed. There's a, another funny thing I can't show you because it's inappropriate, uh, but it, it's, it's a, an SNL skit where Will Ferrell shows up for Patriot Day, you know, casual Friday, and he's wearing funny clothes. And so the whole meeting just breaks down because of how he's dressed. Because the first thing you notice when someone is dressed is how they're dressed. And so think about that as we look at this verse. Colossians 3, verse 5. You guys are all there and I'm not there. I thought I was there already. Hold on one sec. Colossians 3, 5, it says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of its creator. So Paul gives this analogy of of taking off the old self. It's like old clothes. It's like my work... my, my work clothes, my home improvement clothes. I take, if I'm going somewhere, if I'm going on a date to, 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 uh, to a nice restaurant with my wife like I did last night, I'm not going to wear those clothes. If I was working, I take those things off and I put on other clothes that are appropriate. And that's what we got to do in our daily life. The old self is always going to come up. Every morning when you wake up, the old self is there. And so you got to consciously take off those things. And look at this list. I mean... Isn't this the world around us? Sexual immorality, that's any kind of sex outside of marriage. Impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed. I mean, that boils down our communities. Your your co-workers, everybody around us. That's them, and that's us before we became Christians, right? So so we, we can't let any of that stuff back. And then it says, beyond that, rid yourself of anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. You know, I, I, those are the things that can creep back in for me is, is the anger, giving in to ang- sinning in my anger. This last week I sinned in my anger. I got angry with my kids and I sinned in my anger. Nothing makes me more mad for some reason than them not getting along with each other. And then, so then I, I just fly into anger and then I, I commit the very thing that I'm wanting them not to do. And then I feel horrible. And I, you know, and you try to talk about your sin and I, I blew it, I apologize, I asked for forgiveness. But I sin in my anger. You know, filthy language, I don't, I don't cuss, you know, around the house. Or I don't cuss, but, but I was thinking about when I'm on the freeway, you know. And, or when I'm driving in traffic. I drive a lot for my job. And there's a lot of aggressive drivers. 
And there's so many times where I'll just be like, you stupid idiot. You know, to somebody. What are you doing? Learn how to drive. You're, a, you're an idiot. And, and then I have worse words that go right through my mind. And maybe I don't flip the person off in an outward way. But there's the inner bird, you know. The inner bird is going on as I'm smiling. And I just thought, you know, just because this person is surrounded by a hall of metal and they're driving, it, it, I shouldn't treat them that way. I mean, sure, they don't know me or we don't, you know, it's, it might, maybe it would be different if we were in person, but, but I've got to have a heart that's, that's like Jesus, even on the freeway. I've got to put on the new self, even driving on the 405 in traffic. Amen? Everybody's getting convicted right here. Skip down a little further in verse 12. It says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, we've been invited. And, and Jesus says, Many are invited, but few are chosen. Because few people choose God back. Few people choose to come. Those are the ones who are chosen. But we are the ones who have responded. And so that's a very special thing. And that should make us put on our wedding clothes. Dude, you, you've been invited. You've been chosen. You're here. Put on your wedding clothes. It's the least you could do, Right? as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. That's how God feels about you. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. Is there going to be sin in the church? Is your brother going to let you down? Is your sister going to let you down? Absolutely. Is it okay? No, but you've got to bear with each other. Forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Uh, when my kids were little, we used to do a family devotional that they loved to do. And uh, what we would do is, back in my room, which is kind of down the hall from our living room, we'd, meet in the hall, we'd be in the living room. Back in my room, there'd be a big pile of clothes. It'd be mom's clothes, dad's clothes. And we'd put like the, the most colorful funky looking stuff we could find you know of our clothes in this pile like for example I have this soccer jersey that they gave me when I went down to preach in Mexico super super colorful you know soccer jersey and so stuff like that and then we send the kids back into the room and go you can go put on some of that stuff and then come out and we'll all you know respond and they just you know the little kids just love to do this they'd go back in there and they'd they'd put on all this stuff and come out looking as funny as they possibly could and then we'd all laugh and clap for them and that's so awesome but then we talked about the scripture about putting on patience, putting on kindness, putting on humility. It takes a decision to put that on. And it covers up whatever's underneath it. And it's the first thing people see. You know, ask yourself at my job, when people see me coming and they see my spiritual clothes, do they see kindness? Do they see compassion? Do they see humility? You know, if somebody sees Brian Craig coming... Do they see, wow, I see humility there. He's clothed with humility. That's convicting, isn't it? And it's a willful decision to clothe ourselves. It's not something that's just going to happen. We've got to make that decision to put on our wedding clothes. Daily putting to death the stuff we need to put to death and daily putting on our clothes. Matthew 22 closes saying, For many are invited, but few are chosen. Many are invited, but few are chosen. God chooses those who respond. and They say, I'm going to come. I want to be there. I'm going to come to the wedding banquet. And so, don't reject His invitation. If you're visiting with us today, God wants you to be a part of, of what He's doing. 
God wants you to be here with us. You know, we want you to come along. We want to make impact in South Bay. We're trying to serve the community. We're trying to impact the foster care system. We want to help the, the, the students of Wilmington. We want to help clothe the poor. We want to help spread the news about Jesus and about God and about what, what He's done in our lives. We want to heal people's marriages. We want to reach teenagers for the Lord. And so come along with us. We want you to be involved. And don't reject the invitation. Uh, he's made Himself vulnerable. He's put it out there. You have free will. You can choose to respond or you can choose to reject Him. But I'm calling you today to respond, to, to, to not reject Him. Just take the next step. You know, maybe you're not ready to be baptized like I talked about. Just take one step towards God. Say, okay, I'm going to read the Bible. And, and there's nothing like reading His Word. There's a reason God gave us the Bible, because it transforms us. And it, it changes your whole thinking. Just make a decision. I'm going to read the Bible every day and I'm going to ask somebody else to show me around. You know, get a guide to show you around. Because that's what we do in this church. We read the Bible ourselves and we help each other understand the Bible better. And we would love to sit down with you and show you a few things in the Bible. Can you believe we get to go? Come along with us. Let's respond today. If you're a disciple of Jesus, if you've already been clothed with Christ, but you know, you've got some of the old clothes on, as Paul said, take those things off and every day put on the new self. Make sure that we're living lives waiting and ready and expecting Jesus and His return. I'm going to sing a song right now uh, that I wrote a few years back called The Wedding Banquet. And it, it kind of encapsulates a lot of the things that we've been talking about here today. And then after I sing the song, we'll, we'll pray for communion. Um, communion, if you're visiting with us, it's a time to remember Jesus and what He did and how He gave His body for us, how He gave His blood for us. And the song is sung from the perspective of Jesus to his followers. It's a lot of the things that we see in this, in this, uh, in this story. And so let's take a minute just to pray on your own. And then uh, we'll have the song and then I'll pray for communion.